0: Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, And in this episode, we're going to hear from Dietra U Giles, TEDx speaker, chief bridge architect at ExecuPrep, Prep, adjunct faculty member at the Mercer University, and one of Engagely's top 100 HR influencers of 2021. So, an all-round superstar, basically. Listeners, um, Dietra's clients call her university-tested and industry-approved. And we're going to delve into some of the lessons that she shares with peers, leaders, and clients today. Dietra, it's my absolute pleasure to have you on the show today.
1: It is an honor, Bill. Thank you for having me.
0: So, this is the first time you and I have spoken, and I'm hoping it's not going to be the last time. I'm hoping we get to know each other. But what what I've read about you, I love. And one of the things that I love, Deidre, is your is your never say die attitude, your your positive outlook. Uh, and I've got a nice quote from you here, which is, "What got me through in brackets my early stage career was a belief that." I was unstoppable. Despite all of the things life threw at me, my mum made, my mum, which is fantastic. I love that. My mum made me believe that I could do anything. I really believed that. So when things appeared to be falling apart, I convinced myself that they were falling into place. And sometimes all it takes is a belief. I never gave up. What an awesome quote. How, how far then can a positive outlook and confidence in one's own abilities get one, in your opinion?
1: Bill, that is such an amazing question. I talk about it quite often. I believe that what you believe about what you're able to do and what is possible can get you anywhere. If you think about some of the things that we have today, they were impossibilities. Think about someone that had a horse and buggy. And now to think that we're driving cars that don't even need uh, petroleum or even the concept that one day in the not-so-far future, there will be driverless cars. Those were impossibilities. And someone that even mentioned that in the not-so-distant future, we don't even have to go back all the way to horse and buggy. We can go back to 10, 15 years ago. If you had told someone, you know what? In about 20 years, in about 40 years, we'll be in driverless cars. They would have said, that's impossible but someone had to believe it to be possible. And now it is, it's, it's right here. We all see it. And so I really believe that your belief in what you can do can take you to places that people can never even imagine. I
0: love that. And uh, I have a limited imagination for sure. So um, I'm not quite sure where we're going to go on this journey together today, Deidre, but we'll we'll give it a go. Um, now then you're 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 the chief bridge architect. I love that term, and I'm sure you're gonna get into that in a minute. Um, over at Prep, a firm on a mission to help people build and cross their bridge from I want to be to I am. Can you tell me more?
1: Absolutely. So people you I you know, everyone loves the term CEO or C suite something. And I really thought about it before I ran a company before I had ran a company with tons of people in it. it was just me, and it felt so odd when someone would say, "Well, what's your title? Oh, I'm the CEO and I thought that sounds so much more grand than it really is. I am the only o I am the only e i am I, I am all of it and so I really thought about. At that time, when it was just me and no staff and no assistant and no person over operations, what do I really do for the people that I help? What do I really do for the people that I serve? And it came to I serve as their bridge. I'm the person that helps them get from where they are to where they want to be. And not only do I help them get there, I help them strategize and realize what that thing is. So, quite quite figuratively i was their bridge to help them build that bridge and cross over from where they were to where they wanted to be and that was where our catchphrase came from we help our clients build and cross their bridge from i want to be to i am
0: okay perfect thank you very much now let's get into uh, some of the the lessons that you share with your clients I, I'd, I'd like to to start by talking a little bit about finding success what are your top three tips for listeners out there looking to find success in, in their own
1: lives and, and within their own careers? So when we talk about the three tips that I will give to finding success. They are pretty simple, but very counterintuitive. My very first one, before you do anything else, is I want you to throw out your idea of what success is. Many of us are walking in a path that does not belong to us. It's someone else's path to success, it's someone else's destination. And we never stop to identify that that path does not belong to us. I remember going to university when I was much younger, and I went to university thinking that I was going there to become a doctor. Because in my community, that's what success was. From the community that I came up in, if you were successful, you were either a doctor or a lawyer. And so when I went to university, I was going to do one of those things. It wasn't until I stepped back and threw out everybody's idea of what success was and redefined it for myself that I even learned about this thing that has done well for me, which is human resources. I had no clue what HR or performance optimization was. So my first thing is throw out everybody's idea of what success is and find your own. The second thing is pursue it relentlessly. Everyone around you will not understand. I have one client and when she told her parents that she was going to stop being an engineer and pursue acting, they thought she had lost her mind. I mean, they flew from out of the country to have an intervention and she's lost her mind. And she said, no, I can't do this part-time. I have to pursue this relentlessly. And while today she's not a major actor getting an Oscar, she is doing better financially than she was when she was an engineer. But she had to stop what she was doing and be relentless about her pursuit of her dream and her goal. And the third one I would say is patience and real being realistic about your timeline. Oftentimes people feel like if it doesn't happen fast, it's not happening. And that could not be further from the truth. Those of us who have truly been successful, those of us who have achieved some level of success, we can tell you it was not an overnight process. As I talked about my company, I started Executive Prep in 2007. Do you know how many years I spent running Executive Prep by myself? Today, I have two assistants. And I remember a time when I was the person answering the emails, answering the phone calls, returning the phone calls, booking the flights, booking the clients, booking the rooms, handling AV, handling room setup. And it took some years before I was able to hire people to do those things for me. And then lastly, even though you said three, Bill, I'm gonna, you already know I'm a slight bit of a rebel, I'm going to give four. My fourth one is to tell everyone, you, everyone around you, go beyond success. If you really want to do something, go from striving to be successful to being significant. There are so many successful people in the world, but so many of them will never leave their mark. I want to talk to people that are here to not just be successful and make money and and leave trust funds, but I want people to go from success to significance. What is going to be your footprint in the world? When you, when everyone comes to your funeral, and we all have one, because by the way, no one makes it out alive. When they come, how will they say you change the world? Whose life will you positively impact? What will be the mark that you leave? So my fourth one is to go from success to significance.
0: Okay, I think it was such a good fourth one that that you're absolutely allowed to keep that one in. Um, I I want to pick up on something you mentioned there in in, in terms of um, resilience and also patience. Is that where a lot of people fall down then? Because, um, you know, they they get going with something, but they they expect almost instant results and it doesn't happen. And then they go back into bad habits and lose confidence within themselves and and so on. And things just don't happen for them.
1: Bill, you hit it right on the head. That is where I see so many people fall short here in the US. We have a stat that pretty much says uh, 50 percent of businesses fail within the first however many years. And the reality is, as a person that does business consulting and working with large organizations, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 and even smaller, I look at these businesses and I look at that stat and I say, is this stat really accurate? And not accurate as is the statement true, but accurate in their word usage. Do these businesses fail or do they close their doors prematurely? What I see is so many businesses saying, "Hey, we don't have the the million in sales in year one, so we're done, or we don't have the people that are want to be social media influencers. I've been on this journey for three months and I don't have ten thousand followers, so I'm abandoning I'm abandoning social media. Most people want to see immediate results we're in a very quick fix society so news goes around in less than an hour the news cycle changes because that's how quickly we can get our information we have instant everything we have i remember growing up when i was younger and i learned to cook from my grandmother and I'm, i'm i'm a woman of a certain age so we didn't have a lot of the instant grits or instant rice or instant things we had to let things simmer for hours And so I got used to being patient and watching things happen. But many people have never exercised that patience. I'm working with a client now and she has literally started five businesses that could have been amazing revenue generators for her. The reason they didn't was because she stopped before they had the opportunity to really hit the market and have the market take them. And so now what are we doing? We are stepping back and saying, which one are you the most passionate about? And we're not starting a new business. We're going to go back to one of those, really strategize and be patient enough to let that business be successful. So what you said is absolutely spot on. So many people fail because they aren't patient
0: okay thank you very much let's talk about something that you're pretty passionate about and and uh, and uh, from what i've seen on social you know, you talk about quite a lot and that's work from home and um given what you've told me so far about um how you have you built the business up over a period of time i, I bet you've had lots of experience of working from home uh, t- Ten thousand employees dietra recently surveyed by the becker friedman institute for economics at the university of chicago said that they thought they were just as productive working from home Compared to working in the office. In fact, 30% of those respondents told researchers they were more productive and engaged working from home. In an interview on recruiting brain food, you said, I hope that organizations will assess all of their positions to determine the feasibility of making each position a virtual one. So my question for you is. Why is the option to continue to work from home so important? You know, we're in 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 certain countries like the US and the UK and Canada, we're we're through hopefully the worst of, of of COVID, and and people are returning to the office. But why why is that option so important? And do you think that work from home is really here to stay as a as a mass movement, not something just in the periphery?
1: So one, I'll answer the last question first. I absolutely think work from home is here to stay. Um, We are in a global world for talent. And right now it's an employee's market. And so many employees are saying, you know what, I can do my job well from home and I have no desire to go back into your office for whatever reason. Maybe it fits their lifestyle. Maybe they have anxiety about COVID, though things are kind of leveling off a little bit. There are still some anxieties around it, whatever the reasons may be. Employees are saying, you know what? I am no longer interested in commuting an hour to work to be in your office. And there was a time when employers could say, you know what? I don't care what you want. You're coming into this office or you're not going to have a job. That day is not today. And so what employers are finding is I, I was at, it's funny, I, I told this to a client uh about four days ago, and I said, We have to work on your culture because people can leave your company and never leave their home. And that's really what's happening now. Employees are able to choose, hey, if you're requiring I go back into the office, I'm not interested. I can go work somewhere else and people are getting resignation letters when they're saying we are we we require you to come back into the office. But it's not just about keeping employees, though that should be enough. It's also about the data. It's also about what's fiscally right for our organizations. The data is also showing and many clients that I have have the numbers to show that employees were just as or more productive during the time when they were working from home than they were in the office. So let's think about this. I have people at home and they're being more productive than they were in the office. That's a fiscal issue. Higher productivity means a higher bottom line. There is no argument there. The numbers don't lie. The second part of that is back to the fiscal issue. Hey, if I am an employer and I am paying rent for office space or paying utilities or all of the, 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 the expenses that goes into having a person coming to the office, if I can eliminate those expenses, that's money back into our coffers. We're not just talking about what's a cultural fit and what's a a better fit for engaging our, our top talent. We're also talking about what's fiscally best for our organization. So we're not only getting higher productivity, we're not only getting more engaged employees, we're not only getting happier employees who will be more loyal to our organization should we accommodate their desires to not come into our office We're also talking about saving on rent, saving on utilities, saving on all the operating expenses that go along with employees having to come into our office. This just makes sense on every side for the organization. Now, every person is not able to work from home. That's that's the reality. And even when I say that, I I often take out the work from home part of it and say location independence, because some of our people may not go into the office, but they may go to our client sites. They may not work from home, but they may work from Bali. Wherever the case may be, I think it's best all around for organizations to really assess how they can make the majority of their workforce location independent. If we can do this, it only works out for everyone. Okay,
0: I love that. Um, As someone who's worked from home for years, um, I I get that it can be done. You you can collaborate, although I I would admit personally, I I do still feel perhaps in um, organisations of a certain size that maybe it's important that folk are able to get together at least sometimes. But that's a discussion for, for another time, although connected to that, of course, is is company culture. Um, and you know, my concern there would be uh, how much company culture can really be instilled in someone if they're if they're constantly remote. But another aspect of company culture that you help with is is uh, is D and I. And in a in a twenty eighteen, which seems like a, whole, a completely different world away now, uh, you, you asked the question. Sorry, twenty eighteen at TED Talk, you asked the question how is it that we are unable to discuss our differences as, as at the most fundamental level, race, religion, and politics are two boot topics in the workplace. So a question here for you is within the corporate world, within the world of work, where are we at now? Where are we at in, in 2021?
1: I, you know what? It's funny because in 2019 and 2020, we had some major, especially here in the U S we had some major uproars around race and, It really brought it really brought the conversation to the forefront for many organizations. So things that they had been um, historically running away from discussing met them in their offices and their staff said, we are going to talk about this. This is not a conversation that we're about to run from. Let's have this conversation. During that time, there was so much conversation about this stuff. Companies came out in support of different things like Black Lives Matter around, and they appointed a chief diversity officer, and all of this attention went to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, those of us who are and have done DEI um, well before this uproar and were true DEI professionals, We saw this and we sat back and said, okay, let the performances begin. And that's really what we saw. We saw a lot of performative action around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Here we are a year or two later, and those those, uh, companies that were so excited to appoint a chief diversity officer, we saw the announcements all over LinkedIn, that chief diversity officer no longer reports to the CEO. It's been pushed down in the organization. Um, Many of them are losing their budgets. And now it's really coming out that most of it was performative. And here's what has to happen. We have to have a commitment to DEI and we have to take it beyond the bounds of just race. But the problem is we can't really have DEI be a part of the organization's DNA because we don't really know how to talk about these things. How can you make something a part of your DNA, a part of your culture that you don't even know how to talk about? Think about saying high performance is a part of our culture. Customer service is a part of our culture. A superior customer experience is a part of our culture. Promoting uh, top talent is a part of our culture. Imagine saying those things are a part of our culture, but we never discuss them. We never discuss how to be a top performer. We never discuss the client experience. The, the, it sounds it sounds crazy when we put it in those terms, but we do the same thing on the DEI side. We want diversity, equity, and inclusion to be a part of our culture, but we not only do we not talk about it, we don't even know how to talk about it. And so, if we're really gonna, if we're really telling the truth about wanting this, then we have to learn to be able to have the conversation. My fear is. It sounds like the right thing to say, but no one, well, I won't say no one, a lot of people don't really want it or it is not as important to them as the performance says it is. And that's kind of where we are now. Are we going to keep up with the performance or are we going to tell the truth about the matter and move forward from that truth?
0: Okay. Thank you very much. I definitely, definitely want to get you on again and continue this conversation. But for today, um, we're almost out of time. Before we wrap up, how can our listeners connect with you? So for example, I think you and I are connected on LinkedIn um, and how can they learn more about all of the awesome things you get up to?
1: Absolutely. So it's always best to connect with me on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I am Detra Giles. That's D-E-T-H-R-A-G-I-L-E-S. Also, I have a podcast called the Happily Ever Employed podcast where I really break some of these concepts down and they can listen to that podcast wherever they listen to their podcast. And they can always hit me up on any other social medias. I'm Dietra Giles, except on Instagram. I'm Deetra.Giles. But I would love to hear from people, love to hear from people.
0: Wonderful. And I'm sure we'll put a bunch of those links in the show notes as well. Dietra, that just leads me to say for today, you fantastic, inspiring person. I love your positivity. Um, Thank you so much for being a guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show.
1: My pleasure.
0: And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR
1: Gazette.